All right, everyone, here's the second half of our discussion with Bobby Chung about interventional radiology. All right, so you guys wrap up in there. Um, you wash your hands, and you're taking a look at your schedule. And um, w- while you're in there, the ICU had actually called down, and they're they're trying to get you to help out with a patient they have up there who's septic, um, pretty sick. It seems to be in DIC, and they had scanned their belly, and it looks like they have a, an abscess down in the pelvis. So they're asking if you can drain it. Um, and, you know, a student's kind of skimming the chart with you, and he says, well, you know, it's kind of a sick patient. Um, you know, they're on a couple pressers. They're getting some blood right now. And he asks, you know, what's your comfort level, you know, working with patients who are, you know, sick like this, actively being resuscitated? Uh, I've kind of noticed in the past that uh, sending people to IR when they're really sick is, is a little tricky. It's kind of not the best place for a sick patient. There's often no one really... Anesthesia is often not seeing these patients. Sometimes we go down with them, but there's not a lot of tools there for taking care of these patients. Um, you know, what's your comfort level? I mean, are you involved in the medical care of these patients while you're doing your procedure? Um, you know, if not, who should be? Is there a better way to go about this? So, again, I, I try to keep up with um, a lot of critical care knowledge, and I try to have a good understanding of critical care medicine. You know, obviously, I'm not uh critical care doctor um so I, I like to understand exactly what the process is with these patients and 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 what the treatments are that being said if um a patient needs to come down and and they are a really sick patient then it, the the critical care generally a, a nurse and a doctor are going to come down with them and help manage uh that patient with me so they can uh make it through whatever procedure that that they need done in in uh in interventional radiology what about coagulopathies are there certain numbers that um you would consider too coagulopathic too thrombocytopenic for your procedures do you use guidelines for this sort of thing is it kind of a judgment call so the um so sir the society for interventional radiology they have uh consensus guidelines about um you know what what platelets uh you should have what your inr should be what the timeframes for different um, uh, anticoagulation medicines. Um, so, I mean, for for most things, kind of, and again, like, I, I, even though SIR puts out these very clear guidelines, and I listened to your Dr. Tapper episode, and I think he might have gotten that from me from Twitter, and I appreciate you got you gave the shout out to SIR. So for like liver patients, y'all were covering about the, how the INR is is kind of meaningless for for low risk patients, and I, like I, I you know I tell SIR I, I tell IR people that not uncommonly, and just like be like hey check this out, um, and then the the platelets I think they they recommend for liver patients is. Uh, Greater than twenty thousand for for low risk, greater than thirty thousand for high risk. Um, in general, for for it also depends on like what kind of procedure it is. In general, I kind of look for INR two point zero and platelets of fifty thousand, but that can change up or down. Like for for dialysis access, um, or for putting a tunnel dialysis catheter, you know, you're putting in a catheter, so. So usually if you you know you make a hole and you leave a tube in there it's not going to bleed as much. So you know I know anecdotally and I know from my own experience, you know we've we've put in dialysis catheters in, in patients with 
lot bigger INRs and a lot lower platelets and and they've done okay. It's it's always gonna come down to feel, even though there are guidelines. And I, you know, if I have a student or a resident, I, I'll always point them in the direction of the SIR guidelines. And you know, I also try to know. Um, I at least know about SR guidelines for that. There's there's other societies that come out with guidelines for all kinds of different procedural managements, and and I try to read up on those as much as possible. Um, ultimately, it comes down to you know what does the patient really need, and 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 what is the whole clinical picture. And you're you're looking at the the scans now. Um, your student says, "I." It seems like every time somebody has a, an abscess or something, we say, "Hey, maybe IR can drain this." And then sometimes they say they can, and sometimes they say they can't. What are some of the factors that determine if a collection is amenable to you sticking a needle into it? So, I guess first off the bat is like, is it an abscess? Um, and IV contrast. <laughs> I feel like I've said this too much, but sure, I'll say it again. Like IV contrast is so helpful. Like the sine qua non, I don't know if I'm saying that right, you know, like what tells you it's an abscess is that you have a rim enhancing fluid collection and you can't show rim enhancement without IV contrast. So I know not everybody can get IV contrast, but that's super helpful if you're looking for an abscess. Um, so first of all, like, is it an abscess or is it just fluid? And then, you know, like, it's like, so sometimes a person will have peritoneal fluid and Sometimes it's just not rim enhancing at all. Sometimes it's rim enhancing a little bit on the edge of the peritoneal reflection. It's like, is that an abscess? You know, it's like, when is something actually going to be walled off and, and be an abscess? So that's your first consideration. Is it an abscess or is it just is it just fluid? If it's actually, so the that's that's the first thing I'm going to try to figure out. And then you know, what's your approach? Like, and is there going to be bone, colon, vessels? Is there going to be things in the way most things yeah we, we can we can we can drain it i mean that there are a few things that you can't and but it's hard for me to really generalize or like teach what can be drained what can't like going back to what i said earlier you know i'm happy to discuss any patient with anybody um and 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 just give my thought processes even if something seems like oh maybe there's this structure in the way like sometimes there's a bladder in the way and we have to straight cat the bladder sometimes there's a piece of bowel in the way and you have to put a needle in you can do like hydrodissection you just put in some normal saline move that piece of bowel out of the way um <laughs> my colleague here is much more into doing transvaginal, transrectal abscess drainages. I mean, I've done them. I'm not as excited about doing those, but th those are different options. And, you know, we do that here. But who knows, like, whoever lis is listening to this uh, at their shop, what, what their kind of comfort level is with doing transvaginal, transrectal drainage. Um, so... <sighs> <laughs> There's almost always a way. Is it going to be the best option for the patient? Maybe, maybe not. I, if you can't tell, I'm a big proponent of talking to people about stuff. And that's, you know, that would be my advice is just, just talk to your, to your local guys and, and figure out, you know, um, what, what can be done and, and, and what would be the best, best, best thing to do. All right. So against all odds, you managed to drain this patient's collection. You send them on their way. Um, you take a little break. And then, of course, you get another call uh, this is from their uh, intermediate step-down unit, and they say they have this patient who um, seems to be bleeding from somewhere. 
and they think it's a GI bleed, but that's about all they know. Uh, it's not, they're not exsanguinating, but it's not nothing. They've given them two, three units of blood in the past, maybe four hours. Um, they really haven't been able to localize it much, but they, they're pretty sure it's from the GI tract. And uh, they'd like you to see what you can do for various technical reasons. They're not a good candidate for endoscopy. What's your approach to a patient like this? How do you set about finding the source of bleeding and dealing with it? Speaking in generalities, I think the best thing is to get a CT angiography, to get a um, CT angiography with either, uh, you know, you, you need at least two phases. So you either need a non-con and a CT angiography phase or a CT angiography and a delayed phase, or my partner here is big on you guys, just, just shoot all three phases. Um, and then... I don't know if you guys covered contrast-induced nephropathy and whether that exists or is a thing. So there can be that consideration. Uh, in general, a CT angiography is going to be much more sensitive than uh, – not much more. It's about like twice as sensitive as a catheter angiography. It's not quite as sensitive as a tagged red blood cell studies, but a tagged RBC scan takes a lot longer to get. So – Patients dropping hemoglobin, you don't know where it's coming from, possibly GI, that, that would be my first um, recommendation is get a CT angiography with delayed uh, phase images. Uh, definitely don't give PO because that's happened before and that just destroys your ability to look for any kind of contrast pooling in the gut. Um, now, what's the benefit then, to starting with the CTA versus you just starting with kind of conventional angiography? Um, because somebody always points out that isn't that actually more sensitive than a CTA? Plus, you're already there to go intervene. No, um, I mean the published. I think the you need like one cc per minute of bleeding to get uh, a f to be able to see bleeding on on catheter angiography. I think it's like 0.5 uh, cc's per minute bleeding to see it on CTA, and then. Uh, I think it's like 0.1 cc's per minute bleeding for tagged RBC. Don't quote me on that. Um, so CTA is actually more sensitive than conventional angio. And the other thing that people don't realize, like you said, it's a black box. So I, I really love having residents from different services come and rotate with me because they can see like, man, it's actually not that easy to catheterize all these vessels, right? So so, so you put your catheter uh, up to the aorta, you get into the celiac artery, right? You shoot a celiac angiogram. And again, like how, how sensitive is that gonna be for, for a gut bleed? Cause you have your celiac and then you have your left gastric. So you gotta, you gotta shoot your left gastric, right? And then you gotta find the right gastric. The origin of the right gastric is horribly um, variable. Um, and then you gotta get down to the GDA, you gotta shoot the duod, the 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 GDA to get your duod, you know, check for duodenal bleeding. Then you got to get your SMA. Then you got to get up the the inferior pancreatic duodenal branches for that. I'm just like the CTA is super helpful because not only does it tell me where to look, it tells me where not to look. It it's so first thing. So CTA is more sensitive. CTA is faster, and while it's you know CT angio every place has different different um, 
kind of ways that they dose contrast. But you know, you can get a good CTA with a hundred cc's of of contrast. And if you're if you're doing a really complex patient with really tortuous anatomy, and you're trying to just hunt for bleeding with a catheter, and you're going celiac branches, SMA branches, you're trying to hook the IMA, you can easily burn through. 100, 200, 300 cc's of contrast, just trying to get your catheter around. Um, so for everybody's sake, CT, CTA before conventional angio. So it gives you a sense uh, where to look, at least. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot better way to, to evaluate kind of first pass for bleeding. Um, okay. So let's say they, I... they do CTA, and it, it seems like they're, the bleeding is localized to the stomach. So that gives you some ballpark and you, you kind of try to make your way into there. What big picture, what's your approach to trying to deal with that? So big picture. Um, so if you're going to call me, you know, I'm going to at least want a CBC, a Chem 7, PT, PGT, INR. Uh, so correct any kind of coagulopathy, you know, if there's INR, PTT, platelet derangements, you know, fix those. Um, then... Typically, like so, a lot of new school people try to go radial for everything. I, I still use femoral for most of my work. Um, so I'm gonna get femoral, uh, right, common femoral artery access. I'm gonna get to your celiac artery. Oh, and again, uh, you know, there's conventional anatomy, but people have different different ways that that their anatomy is set up, and it's a lot easier to figure kind of if a person has has variant anatomy once you have the CTA. But typically, you're going to hook the celiac, and then you're going to shoot a celiac run, and then you're going to take the left gastric. And a lot of people just kind of, you can empirically put particles of gel foam into the left gastric because the stomach is so well vascularized, and that'll cut down any kind of pressure head you have for bleeding. Or if you see any kind of... Um, you know, active pooling or extravasation, you, you can kind of go and coil off that, that particular branch. Um, so, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of like the, the ideal approach to your patient that might have a GI bleed is you send them to CTA, you kind of get a better idea of where that bleeding might be coming from. You go and evaluate the vessels to that area of interest, and then you embolize whatever, um, whatever those vessels are that might be supplying that bleed. Does it, your process differ, and this applies outside the stomach too, but if you're trying to stop bleeding, is your approach different if the bleeding is from an artery or a vein or just from a tissue bed? So the, I guess the two big categories I would put is, is um, like variceal portal hypertension bleeding and then everything else. So if, <laughs> I guess we didn't go into what if your guys like portal hypertensive and has portal gastropathy and is bleeding from that and needs a BRTO and you're just wasting your time doing the, <laughs> doing the, you know, I didn't even think of that. Um, so I, if, if it's a venous bleed, I mean, go, going after the artery, I guess, could kind of slow down the pressure head. A lot of times we just think those, those bleeds will, will stop uh, as long as you, you're, coagulation factors, your platelets are, are, are working for you. Um, 
And then in terms of, of, of portal hypertensive bleeds, I mean, you know, I could, I could easily talk all day about, about treating those. That's, but that's kind of like another camp. You're like BRTO, CARTO, PARTO, TIPS. Oh man. Yeah. We could go all day. All right. Well, you work your magic. You, you do manage to stop this patient's bleeding and you send them back and you're finishing up for the day and you feel like you've done some, some real good work. Um, Brian, you have any thoughts or questions that you want to throw in? I think you've you've done a great job of explaining a lot of stuff that, um, you know, I think a lot of us just don't even think about. The contrast thing I thought was especially helpful. I, you know, it's not something, I mean, I just sort of think in terms of contrast plus and minus, right? You go for a study, a CTA or, or a IR study of whatever, you're just going to get contrast. I don't ever think about how much contrast um, various things required. Yeah, that, 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 that's that's something you know. If I've, I've students in, like I said, that may go into anything, and I have residents that are not radiology residents uh, come through all the time, and that's one of the things I make sure that they understand is you know you have a contrast enhanced CT, but like what is that? If you just order it with contrast, typically that's a portal venous phase. It's like two cc's per second. It's a seventy second delay because you want to give that contrast enough time to get into the heart, into the right heart, into the lungs, into the left heart, into the left circulation, down to the spleen, down to the gut, down, back, and then come through the portal. So typically, if you just order like a CT abdomen pelvis with contrast, that's what it is. But then, you know, CT pulmonary angiography is going to be a lot faster rate of injection and a lot sooner study because you want you want to you want to get that pulmonary vasculature to 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 fill with contrast. And then when you want uh, for for bleeding, you want that 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 angiography phase, that early kind of just just the arteries, and you want delayed, or at least I want delayed just to look for pooling. Um, and then I know that like now we're kind of like venturing off from the, like the IR track to the like diagnostic radiology track, but it's all it's all interconnected. So you know, if <laughs> if you guys are learning a little bit about this, and like whoever's listening is learning a little bit about that, like that's 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 super super helpful for for when you're talking to your your local radiologist or interventional radiologist. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think one thing I keep hearing in in what you're saying is that people have expertise, right? That we we sometimes discount that that you know you're not just a um, task monkey, right? To just do do a procedure, you have lots of knowledge and expertise that the rest of us don't have, um, and that sounds really dumb to say out loud, but. You know, I teach my nurse practitioner students. We go over a whole thing uh, every every semester on ordering diagnostic studies, and I always say, you know, there's this place in the order form for the reason the study is clinically indicated. And I feel like I was taught, and a lot of people that I've worked with over the years sort of have this mentality, right? That this is like ugh, administrative nonsense <laughs> where I have to justify why I want to study. And, well, I mean, you know, a long time is. ago, <laughs> I, I learned that if I put valuable stuff in there, a mm -hmm. radiologist might call me and say, hey, so what you really want to do is this. You ordered yeah, the no. wrong thing. Uh, and so I think that that's as helpful as anything else is, right, to talk to your radiologist, whether it's diagnostic or interventional, um, mm -hmm. to explain sort of what you want as opposed to just saying, do this procedure, yeah. If you don't really you get know. an interesting interpretation, it doesn't just say, well, there are kidneys yeah. and there's a heart mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. 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 Not, not everybody, but by and large, and definitely me, like I, I appreciate a good, 
good history. And yeah, if 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 it's the wrong study, then it gives me a chance to say, hey, that's the wrong study. Maybe you try this or maybe you try this. So yeah, sort yeah, of that, a crude that's, example. That's super, yeah. um, I remember when I was in college, I had an old junker car. And I needed something done on it. And I called my mechanic, who was a guy I kind of knew fairly well, but not, you know, we weren't like best friends, and said, Hey, I need such and such part change. Can you do that? And he's like, Yeah, bring it by. And I brought it in and he did the stuff I requested. And I drove it home and it was still doing the same thing. And I called him back and said, It's still doing this. And he said, Well, you didn't, you didn't tell me it was doing something wrong. You just told me you needed the part <laughs> changed. So I changed the part. If you had told me, Hey, it's mm-hmm. making this weird noise. I would have told you that's not what we want to do. We want to do this instead. And so I think about that all the time when I, you know, am tempted to say, uh, do such and such procedure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because maybe yeah, that's yeah. not really what uh, I want. No, that, that that's 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 a very very good way to uh, to to explain uh, how we can you be can helpful. Take what people so. ask for and give them what they actually want. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right, Bobby, any, any final things you'd like to leave us with? What do you want us to bear in mind as we go about our lives and, uh, and remember our IR colleagues? Get to know us. Um, we know some things. And uh, there, every week there's somebody that says, oh, I didn't know you could help with that. You know, and like every, you know, multiple times a week, there's like, there's all kinds of procedures that I can do that you've never heard of. Um but I can't tell you about them all because there's a lot of them. Uh, like, you know, even if you have a, have a, I don't know, like I hope your local guy is as like curious and like interested in hearing about, because I have to like, literally I'm, I, 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 I'm curious about hearing about almost anything. Uh, but you, you, you'll, you'll be surprised what your local IR can offer and, and, and the different amount of, of procedures that, that might be of benefit. Yeah. yeah, one of our surgical ICU nurses just graduated from NP school, and we were talking the other day, and I said, well, you know, what do you, you're done now, what are you going to do, do you have anything lined up? And she said, yeah, I just took a job with interventional radiology, uh, which I have to say, I didn't realize was a thing um, uh, before real recently, I didn't know that, that NPs and PAs did IR, uh, and she showed me this huge, huge list of procedures <laughs> that she's got to learn, and I said, well, wow, that's that's really impressive. And now you're my inside man, so to speak mm-hmm. in IR, whenever I need something, I'm just going to text you because I know you and it's, it's not quite like a, you know, blindly calling the IR department saying, can I talk to a radiologist? All right, Bobby. Well, thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll catch you next week. 